Welcome to Design Thinking Games, a gaming and user experience podcast. Card-carrying UXers Tim Broadwater and Michael Schofield examine the player experience of board games, pen and paper role-playing games, live action games, and video games. Play through the backlog on your podcatcher of choice and on the web at designthinkinggames.com. Design thinking is a process that is used to understand users, challenge assumptions, redefine problems, and create innovative solutions. In this podcast, we apply design thinking to games. Very well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be coughing, dude. I think I got it. I think I got got the I think so. I got like this nasty dry cough. My husband has it right now, and I have not. He tested positive for it Saturday. And I have not had a temperature or tested positive at all. And so I'm literally just here in a blanket because I'm lazy as fuck. So (laughs) we spent so much time kind of fanboying about just different little snippets from different games, um, how characters move in various video games. Oh, how much fun it is to like jump from rooftop to rooftop and like blood hunt, etc. Or stray. Yours. Like, no spoilers. I'm only, like, a little bit into Stray. I think a lot of it is, like, a cat, like, um, parkour game. Like, literally, you're running into, like, jumping up pipes and across roofs. Yeah. It's, it's totally up my alley. There is this, um, uh, you, we should talk about Stray in another episode, but you already kind of, like, clocked it as a potential, like, Game of the Year nominee. It's getting some, like, fabulous press. I think it's the sim mechanic that people love, you know, and that's a game mechanic that I like. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not like into like, I'm not like into like virtual farmer or like anything where I want to like <laughs> run a plow or anything, but games that are like the goat simulator or stray where you play a cat or um, what is the shark one that is really popular? Oh, um, I know what you're talking about. Um, the, uh, uh, I've been I've been playing it recently. Man eater, man eater, yeah. Where I you love like, just be playing as a shark, yeah. Well, because you know the idea that you yeah you start as like I don't think you start as anything other. You start as like a baby shark, um, and you gradually grow up and you become this like monstrosity that is wreaking, wreaking havoc on the beach. Um, that's different than Stray because, like, I I have to say, I think you clocked it that the appeal of Stray, at least in the trailers, is like, oh, like I get to be a cat <laughs> and it looks like a real cat. It's not like a super cartoony cat, right? You know, you like lick your mm-hmm. face and shit. Um, and that was a hundred percent the draw for me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You get to nuzzle other cats and you get to nuzzle against the legs of people and then you can kind of like purr and then when you purr, you're your remote control purrs and the sound comes out of it. And, um, and then you just basically like are lazy and you drink water and it's just like, Oh, this is what playing a cat's like, you know, you're right. There's something like super attractive to that. And the mechanic that I like is just like putting me as a player into forcing me into something I have no experience with. So in Maneater, you're playing a shark, stray a cat, goat simulator, you're literally just a goat running around eating and headbutting stuff. So it's, I like the mechanic to where it's, you know, I'm not, 
I have no basis of comparison for this. And so you're putting me into the role of that. And I just get to experience being a, a cat or a shark or a goat, you know? There are kind of like extremes of that. There are games, I can't think of the name of it, where you play a fly and you have to like survive in like the house. Um, That's a game. Yeah, yeah, it's a game. So you you kind of start as a maggot and you like wiggle around. You, you, you flop around as a maggot as you hatch out of your little fly egg and you're just kind of wiggling and writhing and then you sprout wings and oh my gosh, now you're a little fruit fly and you're irritating the shit of the gigantic humans who are just kind of like wandering around this little house. Um, I think your goal is to, you know, like land on their food and consume it (laughs) and stuff like that and avoid getting obliterated. I think it's just called Fly Simulator if it's the one I'm finding on Steam. Yeah, There is, um, so kind of like inhabiting these sort of like extreme perspective shifts, like, oh, I'm going to be a cat and I'm really going to role play being a cat or I'm going to do this with, like, a fly. Uh, I've never seen anyone actually take goat simulator seriously. Like, all right, I'm, like, there's, like, I'm going to be a goat with a rocket pack, and I'm going to, like, like, I'm going (laughs) to rock into, like, uh, into different cars and stuff. But I love the idea that someone would play goat simulator to, like, really experience goatdom, right? It's like, oh, I'm just going to walk around at a normal pace and eat cans. (laughs) So for me, that's... um both your and i's definition of game mechanics we like may be wildly different so like being put into like a simulation role like that um i like and even like the farming simulator ones where you are growing crops and riding tractors i mean there's a a simulator i have a a fondness for simulator mechanics and where it's forcing me into something to do uh that um i don't like chores but like simulating experience you know but uh, for you, like, what game mechanics are you thinking of um, that you're a fan of? I have a list. Um, there's a few different things, um, but I think um, I think the idea of like the the sim is that it, it's role play, right? It's like oh, I'm role playing as a farmer. I'm role play. I'm really, mm-hmm. and it's really good role play. You know, if you really feel like Commander Shepard and you really feel like um, like a Jim Bob Crawdad who is like plowing his cornfield. So I do like mechanics that like really kind of like reinforce that that sim that that uh, that role playing. Design Thinking Games is a proud affiliate of Hunt a Killer. Enter the world of Hunt a Killer in their newest murder mystery season, Mallory Rock. This realistic murder mystery game delivers high quality, handcrafted evidence that brings a fictional case to life. Can you solve a mystery with Hunt a Killer? Go to designthinkinggames.com slash huntakiller or click on the banner at the bottom of our website. video game i keep getting sucked back into that's um distracting me from all the other stuff that i want to play is hell let loose it's a semi it's a it's a tactical kind of like war shooter and the and because you can't win or do well unless you are playing together with a squad who is organized strategically by a commander and one of the mechanics that I, I really like that reinforce that, that I that I actually kind of love is how they handle voice chat in there. So this is like a really mm. specific 
specific like mechanics, but the idea is, I've mentioned it before, is that when you are a member of a squad, you're just a rifleman, you can chat among your squad. You can be anywhere across the battlefield. It's not proximity-based, uh, but it's restricted to your squad, and you can talk to your squad leader. Your uh-huh. But you can't talk to other squads unless you're like right next to them using proximity chat. You can't communicate. You're in the silo. So it's the like walkie-talkie mechanic that you're kind of it's referring the walkie to? walkie-talkie mechanic. But the squad leader can talk to their squad, They're the people that they are leading around, and to the other squad leaders, not to the other squad leaders' squads, but to the other squad leaders, and mm-hmm. to the commander. So they're and the commander can only talk to squad leaders and can never talk to any like locals. And what this does is create like a um, again, it just sort of like reinforces like the the role play aspect and the hierarchy of it. Like no like there there's you know, it's it's not a democracy. You have you have officers in your game and the only way mm-hmm. you can win is to kind of follow them and the only way they can win is to coordinate with other officers. It's just like a mechanic that I really yeah. like. So what are some games that have that walkie-talkie mechanic? It sounds like there's more than one. I mean, I think there's a few. So like, so let's compare it with like uh, the, the most popular first-person shooter ever on the planet, like Call of Duty, where I actually don't know there that there are a lot who do that right even in um like like uh, if we rewind the clock and go all the way back to battlefield 4 this was a game on the xbox it's the xbox 360 generation um so ps3 no ps4 xbox 360 battlefield 4 is like several years ago and um that had a commander mechanic there was a commander and then there was like everyone else so like you have like a lot of people logged in, I guess is what you're saying, and then like one's a commander, then there's like several squad leaders, and then there's squad members. Yeah, so that's how Hell, Hell Let Loose does it. So like you can only talk to people like basically at your scope, and mm-hmm. it just require it just reinforces that thing. So um, it reinforces the hierarchy, it re- which reinforces the kind of simulation of this kind of like war shooter. The fact that it's World War II and it's using like real battle maps and stuff like that, it's it just kind of, I don't know, it just makes it feel really, like, mm-hmm. again, much more real. It's, it's just kind of like role play aspect. Yeah, so my only experience with a walkie-talkie mechanic is like the old school Friday the 13th online game, which mm-hmm. was a phenomenal game. Everyone loved it. And then because of the intellectual property lawsuit that got tangled, um, it got frozen in court for a while because Friday the 13th, um, a guy came out basically saying that, hey, I had the idea for Friday the 13th. It was stolen and now there's a whole franchise and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we'll prove it in court. And he did prove it in court. And so now, oh, no. <laughs> part, yeah, so now there's like, um, and that just resolved here recently. And so the people love the game, but it couldn't do anymore because everything was frozen up in the court system. But essentially like asynchronous horror, Eight people go into a game. One is Fred, uh, not Freddy. One is Jason Voorhees. The other seven are camp counselors. The camp counselors can only communicate with one another if they find a walkie-talkie in the game. Like, find one in a drawer. Oh, that's hardcore. Yeah. They may have a perk installed that says, I want to start with a walkie-talkie, you know, or, <laughs> or like an item attached. But then once you have it, then you can start talking like, hey, I found the part to this generator. Or like, I'm at the boat and I'm fixing the... Um, and so that's really the only familiarity I have with um, a walkie-talkie kind of mechanic. 
Restricted communication is really interesting, right? Because I think like most like like most multiplayer like allows you to chat however you want, either through literally like a chat, like if you're playing on the PC through a literal chat, um, uh, like text chat or voiceover chat or something like that. But I, mm-hmm. I, I think that kind of idea of like restricted communication is really kind of like interesting. Um, yeah. It just requires you to be more deliberate. I have a question. So if Voorhees was an earshot and someone talked to you over the walkie talkie, can you hear it? Yes. So that's the, the thing. There is a risk to use there. You want it so you can communicate with people to say like, hey, I found the propeller. I got the gas. Let's meet at the boat and then I'll fix the propeller, put the gas and we'll get out of camp. Like, you know, we'll get out of Camp Blood or Crystal Lake or whatever it's called. Um, Yes, you are right. Once you're within like so many feet as the killer, you can totally hear someone talking and their replies through the walkie talkie. And so it's kind of like you can definitely spoof it and definitely like, hey, let's just all get on Discord and like cheat. You know what I mean? And I think that's cheating. I still think to this day that's cheating. Um, Because especially if in Dead by Daylight, you see that all the time where all the heroes get on, like all the survivors get on like a Discord and they're like, why am I not finding any? And how are they getting generators done so quickly as a, as a killer? And, and then you realize like, oh man, they're just all on Discord team together. And that's yeah a well-designed war game is hard to make but if you've listened to the show for any length of time you know we stand hell let loose this realistic immersive world war ii shooter that not only requires that you play well but that your squad plays well together and well with other squads there's no hud there are no scopes one shot and you're down if you can't fortify flank and suppress as a team, you lose. And because of that, in my opinion, Hell at Loose deserves many game awards. If that rings true and you want to help the show, consider downloading it through Gamersgate. No, not that Gamersgate. The Gamersgate that came before the controversy that hijacked the name. Gamersgate is the world's largest online store for PC and Mac games, more than 4,500 of them. And if you download Hell Let Loose or another game through designthinkinggames.com slash Gamersgate, it'll help us keep the lights on. I'll see you on the beach. mechanic that I thought of. This is totally unrelated, but um, this is more for tabletop games. But it's That's all the, that, those are the only other commit mechanics I even have. So great. Goodbye, video games it's the past. Like yeah, so I uh, I have I don't know what you would call the mechanic, but it's like using cards like puzzle pieces to where you lay them down in grids and formations. So oh yeah I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so if you've ever played like Spy versus Spy, where you're building out tunnels, you're actually putting the cards out. If you played Betrayal at House on the Hill, every time 
you draw a new room, you're kind of building out like the map, right? Unknown is like that as well. Um, Tapeworm. Tapeworm's a great game that also is you're building out kind of what it looks like on the table, even to the point of like Robots Rise or even Bears versus Babies to where this card's my head, this card's my body, this card's my arms, this card, you know, I love to where you're building something like with cards. That's like Munchkin, right? Oregon Trail, the card game, which exists, does that where you're building the trail from like one end of the table to the other end of the table as you go. Oh my God. I didn't know this game existed. I'll have to check oh, man, it out. Pick it up. Yeah. I've never been in it. I've played it many a time. The entire, the entire wagon dies. Oh, wow. It's uh, it's, it's pretty delightful. Yeah, so Munchkin has like cards where you augment cards with other cards. Like, here's my card, and it's kind of like Magic the Gathering, where you're just like, oh, I'm going to put a weapon on, or there's an enchantment on this land, or you know, or my, I have a, a, my player like now is a, a dwarven cleric who wields an axe, you know, and so those are augmented cards, but I mean more so like where you're actually just building out the cards under the table and then that is your map or it is your creature or that is the area that you're exploring or the tunnels you're building or the tapeworms you're building or whatever yeah and so that's just i love that mechanic i love that um robots rise is a good one it's actually really rated decently well and i play tested it at origins a couple years ago and it's the one where you're building robots that have Heads, bodies, arms, weapons, legs, but then you can mix and match robot parts to like, oh, that's cool. I have treads, but I have a drill, but I also have an arm laser, but you know, I just kind of, but that's how you kind of combat. That's really robots. cool. It seems like it makes it just much more tactic or tactile. Um, and it's different than what I mm-hmm. think, you know, the conventional like board game is where it's static. Maybe you move pieces around on top of it. Yeah. But I like that too. Oregon Trail does a thing, uh, and I just say that because that's top of mind because I, I feel like we play it quite a bit, where um, the it, it really helps reinforce like how daunting the trail is. Because like as you kind of like draw the cards and you discover, shit, there's like a river I have to ford and and whatever, and, and gradually you end up in these kind of like troughs of civilization where the last um uh the like the last outpost you ended up on mm-hmm. was 10 draws ago like 10 rounds and you're like oh man we're running out of everything and there's like snakes biting me and stuff <laughs> like mm-hmm. i'm gonna die out here um and it and whatever i mean you could do this with like dice or or whatever but i love the idea of like having to visualize the map um because it's just you know it's just part of navigating like a like across the wild frontier um yeah it's fun i see it in a lot of games a lot of games use it um what other mechanics are you thinking of i've i've got a bunch so so i've recently like kind of like been um so we've talked about how i've been kind of a stand for like the old vampire the masquerade like way back in the day and so i've been kind of revisiting the new stuff since um you know, since like all the stuff that's come out 
been like 20 years since I last like meaningfully played. I bought the mm -hmm. new core book. I, I bought all of these things. And there are things in Vampire the Masquerade that like I really like that I feel like Dungeons and Dragons lacks. And, I, and so as mechanics, these stand out to me because they help reinforce role play. Mm -hmm. And what those are is that... Um, I mean, I'm sure you have experienced uh, being uh, a member of a, a party in which you all happen to be at a tavern, uh, all happenstance, and the only reason y'all are together is because there's some cool bounty that you have complementary skills, but you're an arbitrary party mm -hmm. that happened to be at the right place at the right time, and now you're expected to... Yeah, organized play basically starts this way every single time. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, like I really like the role play of like D and D, um, and that's always bugged me. So, like Vampire the Masquerade starts out with uh, different kinds of like convictions that must be shared among your party, who it calls your coterie. Um, so, like we're gonna keep the Bronx safe. Um, is something we're like we're all into. That's like a deep conviction we all have, and then we all have our own individual convictions. But as a mechanic, what these are is that like as you take actions that violate those convictions, you're penalized for it. Um, either you like lose your humanity, or something bad happens, or there's like a cost. But it's a it's a, the kind of mechanic that forces a group to work toward the problem together uh, and this mm -hmm. way the problem is you know staying like a cohesive role-playing party one person can't go off and be a murder hobo or something like that oh no that's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> this kind of mechanic i just like i just really like and i'm like wow that seems like it's very much lacking um in like the D, &D that i play uh and it just stood out to me it's it's new to me um i don't f remember this being a thing um in the oad the old world of darkness so but the fact that they make that part of character creation is pretty cool. So is it like, so there are things in Dungeons and Dragons, which are, you can get more points if you take vices or like an affliction yeah. or something like that. But I mean, it sounds like what you're describing is there's something that is forces party cohesion or else we all lose our goal, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of like that makes me think of a little bit of like Forbidden Desert or Forbidden Island where it's like, dude, we are, or pandemic. I mean, you kind of have to work together or we're all screwed. What do you lose? But it's not really the negative that you're taking on. You know what I mean? It's it's a, as opposed to the agreed upon thing that you're kind of talking or referencing. Right. You know, we talked about this in our collaborative games episode, that there's different ways to kind of like reinforce collaboration. Um, and it's just one of those things that felt like it was missing from like the, you know, the, the handful of like tabletop RPGs I play, like Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu. That Vampire the Masquerade does like pretty pretty well man um and so it's just something mm -hmm. that i'm like oh i like this i'm gonna incorporate it incorporate it in my next thing um i just want everyone i like i don't like arbitrary storylines and i want people to like stay on task you know um and in a big old sandbox rpg that's a big ask unless you're you mm -hmm. know unless it's part of the mechanic Design Thinking Games is an affiliate of Space Engineers. 
Space Engineers is a sandbox game about engineering, construction, exploration, and survival in space and on planets. To find out more about Space Engineers or its new DLC, Warfare 2, go to designthinkinggames.com slash spaceengineers, or just go to our website and click on the banner. I was actually looking through my board games as well, kind of identifying like, let me just objectively see the things that I gra- like gravitate to. And something that I found that I like that I know we've talked about putting it, making an episode about it at some point, but I don't think we have is totaling games. Like mm, I really yeah. love games that are like ticket to ride where you're building railroads, but everyone has these secret goals and initiatives and things they're trying to do. Or Lords of Waterdeep, right? Mm-hmm. To where you are vying for control of the city and you're sending adventurers out, but then like each, but you have your own secret every time you complete a quest, you have this thing. And then bam, at the end of the game, you may think you know who's won, but then when everyone starts to total up, like, oh no, I completed these five quests, and that puts you over a hundred points. But then someone else is like, oh. I built the railway from New York all the way to San Francisco. So that gives me 20 some points. And so then it's just like, uh, it's interesting because you, there's that big reveal aha math moment, I guess at the end of the game. And I have a bunch of games that actually are like that because I think there's a fun way of like, okay, this is a quick fun game that we're all playing, but then we don't really know until the end I mean, we're all playing the game and yes, we know we're competing against one another, but it's not important until the very end where it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. You, you were awesome. You completed this three part quest or this railway to Florida to like, um, Oregon and, and then bam, that's put you in the lead. Um, to some degree, like I think, um, Settlers of Catan has that to a little degree because yeah. you add up in the end, like, oh, this is how many roads, this is how many cities, I got the longest road, and then the math adds up at the end. It's a little different, like in Catan, of course, but that kind of totaling or secret, like totaling at the end from secret objectives or quests, that's, I kind of, I like that mechanic. I, yeah. I agree. I find that, I find it interesting because I waver on that kind of thing. So, like, my, my, uh, um, my my core example of like of of this where I I hate it is like in the game of life, <laughs> right? Where um, where you see who is going to win by the most money, way mm-hmm. in advance, right? Like it depends yeah. like the path they take or whatever. Um, Probably too. You about, know by who owns all the property and who's got the yeah, cash. Exactly. Yeah. And so I wonder what it is about good totaling like what, what what are the components there maybe that's that there truly are secret objectives or um yeah i think you're right different thing but if it's like all yeah if you can forecast it as soon as you can forecast it like the the joy of that moment like tanks you're right i mean there's some strategy that's secret that you are just sharing with yourself which is essentially that you know you are unveiling cards yourself each round that it's like a train route to build or you are um, 
what quest to go on in Lords of Waterdeep, let's say, for example. But essentially, what you're trying to do is like, I will get lots of points if I complete this railway, like across the country. But if I don't complete it, I've just spent like a huge part of the game wasting that, you know what I mean? Working towards that goal. And you're right. Like, there's some strategy with kicking it yourself, but there's also something that no one else sees it except you see it. I think that's I think that's the secret component there where it's good. There's a mechanic of luck in Call of Cthulhu that I don't think comes up a lot. Um, in that every every character has like a luck stat. It's like zero out of one hundred. It's like maybe sixty, sixty-seven, or something like this. And the the chief reason for this existing is actually kind of boring. It's like uh, if if you fail a roll and you will fail most of your rolls in Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. you can spend luck to achieve a success. That's kind of that, that's that sort of math mechanic is fine, um, but that's not what I love about it. What I love about luck, for it's like role play nature, is um, how like on a, like a tabletop RPG, you'll have somebody say like. Um, uh, they'll they'll realize um, as they descend the stairwell that oh man they should have said that cool thing or oh man they should have picked up the wallet um, in a recent uh, in a recent um, in the recent episode of uh, like uh, New York by Night one of the characters says like oh shoot like I I I drank this dude's blood in the alley and I walked away and then a few scenes later he's like oh I wanted to I wanted to remember or say that like gosh when I did that I took his wallet stuff like that. Call of Cthulhu lets you roll luck for that. Um, and it's just like, oh, um, if you failed to prepare, luck lets you maybe stumble across like the right thing. Luck mm-hmm. allows you to remember, oh, in hindsight, yes, I did bring my pistol, right? Or, or something like that. Um, and at each time you roll and rely on luck, it diminishes. Anyway, again, it's just like a little mechanic that doesn't have like a huge impact of the game, but it, it, it creates a, a, a tiny system around not thinking ahead mm-hmm. and, 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 and taking advantage of those moments when um, when you realize you should have done something. So, again, I just don't see that kind of like anywhere else. There's all sorts of different versions where you can push, like push the stats a little bit, like, oh, I'm going to invest superpower into this stat and you know expend it but yeah so the marvel superhero game like the old school game has something that's like this except it's called karma it's not called luck and so it's the marvel superhero role-playing game it lets you create your own characters your characters can be mutants or aliens or altered humans or robots or magical or um or just tech like people you know no powers but it has stats. That's phaser rip. That's what I always remember from it because it's fighting, agility, strength, endurance, reason, intuition, and psyche, right? Um, and so you have the first one, phase, F-A-S-E, kind of equals out whatever you have in those agili- those abilities that kind of dictates your health. But then what you have in reason, intuition, and psyche dictates your karma, and so what karma means is that anytime you try to do anything in the game, you have a karma pool uh, per character. Now, if you make a super group, let's say you and I are a dynamic duo and we're playing, 
we share our our karma pool. We pull our pool essentially. And That's so cool. if you're the Fantastic Four, you have an even bigger pool because you're four people who have a karma pool. And then when you're trying to do like a badass event, like I'm going to throw this trash can lid through a window and hit this like robber um, and you miss it by like five points, then you can take a little bit from your karma pool to make sure it happens. Or if you want to make um, a, a, a critical success and you're like, dude, to make this a critical success, I need 15 more points to meet the minimum, yeah. but then 10 more to put in the next one. You can take 15 points from that karma pool and then make it a critical success. It's like, not only do you do that, but then he falls out the window and then lands in a dumpster and or or you know whatever however you want to play that so you can shift you can use your individual karma pool or your combined karma pool for superheroes or villains to um pull off cool actions um but it is a limited resource that you only get well it's a pool and once it goes down the pool regenerates like every day or like next adventure like so you, you don't have an unlimited pool you know that awkward uh, death of the conversation is brought to you by our advertisers. (laughs) Um, um, Thank you so much for listening to design thinking games, a podcast about design thinking and games. If you don't know what design thinking is, rewind back to the beginning of the episode where we describe it. If you can help us support, um, help support the podcast by um, liking, starring, favoriting on your podcatcher of choice. That tells the algorithm in the sky that we are deserving of its good graces. Um, you can always visit our many Patreons on patreon.com slash design thinking games where we post things for ad free. Um, and that's pretty dope. Um, or you can just uh, follow us on any of the social medias, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, the three T's, T cubed, the cool kids call them. Uh, we're design thinking games on all of them. Stay tuned for cool shit that we're doing in the coming year, as well as additional podcasts and like sooner. This, uh, we both have COVID. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm unconfirmed. You highly suspect, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, this is, this is what we can do. Uh, stay safe. Get jammed. Thank you for listening to the Design Thinking Games podcast. You only have so much time, and it means a lot you shared it with us. To connect with your hosts, Michael or Tim, visit Design Thinking Games on TikTok, Twitch, and Twitter. DMs are open. You can also check out designthinkinggames.com where you can request topics, ask questions, or see what else is going on. Until next time, game on. Game on.